0: Welcome to the Arms Race, this is the podcast where we try to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time. I'm Kevin Keene.
1: And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Capone, released by 20th Century Fox on April 6, 1975, starring Ben Gazzara, Harry Guardino, Susan Blakely, Sylvester Stallone, Frank Campanella, and John Orchard with John Cassavetes as Frankie Yale, written by Howard Brown, directed by Steve Carver. It's the
0: Godfather knockoff you didn't know you wanted. Is this even a Godfather knockoff? Oh, I think this was made in the wake of... I think that's pretty clear. All right. So, well, the Godfather's big. Here's a low-rent, you know, low-budget version of it. I think that's all this is. Extremely low-rent and low-budget,
1: and honestly, I come out of it, I don't really feel like I know that much about Al Capone. No
0: well <laughs> that's what's amazing it's so surface level well once again we did this on death race 2000 we should do it again this was produced by roger corman and so of course it's very low rent and cheap and you know, but but this is it was uh, released by 20th century fox it was some deal so it's on a higher end in terms of like yes. the, the the budget so yeah i think i think this just it like most roger corman movies it's a cash in it's an attempt to make a quick buck as you know Just put out a movie in the pop culture lexicon. Yeah, let's ride some some wave of, like I said, The the Godfather. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that uh, it's so shallow, but you're right. It's full of facts and has zero insights to Al Capone's (laughs) life. (laughs) And the facts
1: are mostly, we were joking before we started recording, I asked you how thin your notes are. A bunch of my notes is just the random dates that are put up on screen with, like, there's no rhyme or reason to when the dates are selected. I realize as you watch the scenes, all right, these these scenes must tie back to the dates. There's no real way that they call attention to it. My first time through, I'm like... Why do random dates just keep showing up? Well, on they want
0: to tell you that this movie takes place over the course of whatever twenty seven years yeah. starts in nineteen nineteen ends in nineteen forty six. So yeah, twenty seven years. <laughs> they want you to. T- they have to tell you because they can't show you with their production values. That's I right, mean, they haven't. Nobody really ages. Yeah, yeah. Nobody really ages. They aged up Stallone at the end, but we'll get there. He's the only one that looked like they uh, and, made any effort. No, and and uh, Capone.
1: I mean, at the very very end in nineteen forty six, you know, they changed the the you know they gray a little bit, a little
0: bit. But not much. Not much. And, uh, you know, they've got a couple old-timey cars in there, and in the, <laughs> at the very end, they've got, like, a 40s car to be like, look, it's the 40s. But I think mostly, if you didn't have those dates there, you would not feel like oh, time was passing. absolutely not! It feels like everything takes place in a month. I yes, was going to say, people,
1: it would be like, oh, man, Capone built his empire in two weeks. Right. I mean, <laughs> honestly would feel that this way. This
0: movie does such a terrible job at making you feel the passage <laughs> of time, so of course they have those dates up there. It was, it was yeah, I'm sure in the editing, we got in the editing room and went like, oh, we need to put some dates <laughs> on the screen.
1: <laughs> we need something that divides time in some way shape or form
0: yeah you know i was reading wikipedia to get a sense of like how close is this to the tr- the actual al capone story and and like i said on surface level it is pretty much accurate all these different all these characters were real people and they didn't really make up much well they, they made up one
1: huge important yes. character, completely unnecessary and for me i am not a capone expert and as much as Wikipedia should not be necessarily a source, this is should even be less of a source. Of course. But no, but what I'm saying is, so Boardwalk Empire, it actually, I got some of Capone's, especially his early, early days before he had really taken over, but before you know Johnny Torrio had been forced out. Mm. And the big missing component to me with that made-up character, like one of the most interesting things I learned about Capone in Boardwalk Empire is that he was married and he had a son that lost his hearing at a very like young age. Right so i 'm watching this like, <laughs> just a I'm i 'm glad I. yes i 'm glad I know that because this is clearly made up one hundred percent is made
0: up that feels like a studio note of we need a love interest, we need a romance, and if they had stuck to the like, true historical fact he 's just a i mean I'm, he had he had mistresses all over yeah. the place, but that 's not a love story I'm, i mean this isn 't particularly a love story no, either it 's a lust story, but and, which is fine. I actually enjoyed it. Those are the parts of the movie I enjoyed the most actually is, uh, you know... The made-up history. Yeah, Ben Gazzara and Susan Blakely having their, you know, kind of fun, you know, relationship. I I, I thought that stuff was... The Gatsby? The, 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 yeah, well, I mean, she's fun. It's, Susan Blakely is an actress I never had heard of before we started doing this podcast, <laughs> and we've seen her three times in Stallone movies. And every one is so different. I'm coming away with this, like, more a Susan Blakely fan than I am a Sylvester (laughs) Stallone fan. Because every time I'm impressed by her. And she's great in this movie. She's the highlight for me. She's She's the only woman in this movie. Three Stallone movies? Was one of them, though? And that Farewell, uh, My Lovely. Was one of them? I don't think she's in that. No, she was in... um, um, uh, um, Lords of Flatbush, as like that yeah. that uh, innocent girl that uh, what's his name is trying to to get in her pants. Basically, uh, she's in this, and then she's the mother in over the top. Oh, that's who is my, dying I, of something? That's the one I forgot because she's barely in the movie. That's yeah. why
1: I forgot. Well, over but it's,
0: well, what's funny to me is, um, this, is this is obligatory. <laughs> we, we mentioned the movie. We have to do it. <laughs> that's the rule.
1: I forgot that it's even just a
0: mention of the title. It's not just <laughs> one more <where> compromise. <laughs> that's where we're at with that with that sound <laughs> up. No, um, but what's funny to me is, you know, there's the the cliche of like the only roles in Hollywood for women, there's only three roles and it's it's the virgin, the whore and the mother. And in these three movies she ran that gamut. <laughs> and it's really funny and she's great in all three and she's very different in all three and just i I've come away I think, in particular, watching this movie and just, it is so surface level and so dull. I and mean, this movie is just very dull. But I, she, every time she was on screen, it's like, okay, hey, they're golfing and they're, you know, they're right. having fun. They're, they're actually, they're, there was
1: There's some actually lively, human, yeah. human interaction. Yes. What's funny is that I have very few notes, but one of the notes in here I have, I think it was the very end. I, I said, this is a movie about Al Capone. Al Capone, how am I outrageously bored during a movie about Al Capone?
0: What I was getting at when I was talking about Wikipedia <laughs> is this movie obviously predates Wikipedia, but it feels like a Wikipedia article put on screen it's just like here are the things it that happen does. it's just facts it's just <laughs> it feels like you're right it honestly,
1: it feels like now that we're talking this through, and this is good because this conversation is probably better than anything in my notes. it feels like my kids you know uh, my daughter my oldest is in junior high. It feels like she got like a slideshow of like history, right? You know, yeah. of Al Capone and needed to put together a movie on her budget, right? That's what it feels like is that, oh, I have got to make sure I cover all of these right. things in this slide for my
0: presentation in junior high. Everything <laughs> is very rote and just Al Capone was born on, you know, like it's just <laughs> it, that's it's that in movie form. Also, I mean, I think my the thing I struggle with the most because it takes place over such a long period of time is characters just come and go and they, the movie does not make any effort to establish anybody and just, everyone looks the same. It's just a bunch of, like, half of the movie is old Italian guys and half the movie is old Irish guys and they all look the same and <laughs> they're interchangeable. They're all based on, you know, real people, but for the most part. But, um, you know, like, the first time I watched this, I'm going like, because I, I, think, I think maybe because it's a Roger Corman movie, it's just an excuse to get one scene after another of guys getting out of a car and gunning somebody down and then just driving off <laughs> it's like 10 12 of those scenes in a row just one there'll be a story that and then there'll be people going like oh well, i'm reacting to the, the, the news about that guy getting shot and then someone else gets shot and then somebody going like oh that guy got shot now it, it's just that for a hundred minutes and i think that's just you know it's a roger corman movie it's like we want we know what people want we, they want to see guys getting gunned down in the streets by gangsters it's like well that's not interesting At the time, it's not clear why. No,
1: yeah. So I don't know. And and the thing is, is that there's certainly examples of made up history with Al Capone because The Untouchables has a bunch of stuff that they take outrageous amount of liberty. And look, that's that's about law enforcement rather than Capone, right? But the point is, is that like. De Niro, that's why, I mean, that's, there's memorable scenes. I mean, there's, there's stuff to, you know, really grab onto and remember about this. You have 100 minutes. There's nothing to walk away from in this movie. How many
0: scenes is De Niro in
1: in that movie? Oh, like, like three or four? I would say probably four at most. Yeah, and you, that movie. Part of a team. Who does, that has seen The Untouchables does not remember part of a team. Yeah, baseball. <laughs>
0: you gotta have enthusiasms right that's, yeah it's a great it just in his limited time in that movie you he he evokes you get a sense of who Al Capone, Al Capone was <laughs> as a man in like 10 minutes of The Untouchables and you have an entire movie <laughs> yeah. and you get nothing he's in almost every scene but, you know Ben Gazzara I'm not familiar particularly with his work and, and John Cassavetes who is a featured and, and he was a director I've only seen one of his movies and I didn't like it and Ben Gazzara was in it so I think they were friends or something yeah. Um, killing of a chinese bookie. I learned recently that I was getting John Cassavetes and um um who did the wild bunch? That I that director. I I I, I was conflating them and thought they were the same guy. Um uh Peckinpah. Same Peckinpah. Sam Peckinpah. Okay. 70s directors like like <gasps> indie directors, I I guess I'm not up on them. But um I thought John Cassavetes had directed The Wild Bunch and Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, both of, both of which I've liked and thought were okay. I have uh, the only movie I've seen that John Cassavetes directed is "Is Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which I did not think was good. It, it's it's, kind of, it's the kind of movie I hate, that early seventies bunch of stuff that happened, bunch of, bunch of things happened. So, but anyway, Ben Gazar is in that. And I think that movie and the Big Lebowski are the only movies I've seen him in. So I don't know if he's a good actor. If what what people think of him, I don't know what. It's hard to the, know. The yeah, not, is, he I'm was not, like an indie underground seventies guy. He was just like in a bunch of indie movies that nobody's seen.
1: And the thing is, I, I'm not I'm not hanging. I'm not hanging anything, an issue on his performance. I don't think there's much there, right? I, no, it's I not don't his think, fault. No, I don't. Like De Niro was given that baseball bat scene, you know, even poorly acted. There's still something there, right? You, yeah. you can do some. There's not much to work with here.
0: I will say though, I thought Stallone was a standout. I think if I had seen this movie in '75, not knowing. Who, Who anybody in this yeah. movie is? I think he would have stood out. I think he's really good, and I think in his an, limited scenes, he's good. He makes an impact. Yeah, it takes him a while to get in this movie, but once, oh, yeah. once he shows up, okay. One of my notes, okay, my
1: notes? <laughs> Why is this in the Stallone podcast? Where? When are we going to get to the fireworks? I it, You
0: remember? I watched it. I, I you know, kinda of half heartedly and I almost left it off the list and then once once I got to the end it's like, That's enough. He's in it enough, right? <laughs> or do you disagree? No, <laughs> it, it it's fair to include this movie. He plays Frank Needy who was a you know oh, pretty yeah, prominent guy it. and yes. yeah, yeah. He's at the end he, he delivers the uh the message of the movie, the the the, the you know Watch out the guy on the ladder beneath you, my friend. It's got to be spelled out, even though it's it's so clear that's what this movie's about. But I'm going to spell it out. All right. Let's get started. All right. What
1: day is it? What year? All right. It's time for the history. Uh, We are in April 1975. So with that, box office information... As you may or may not recall, is uh, not attainable. So not at all. Uh, not not in not through box office mojo. Now, I, I mean, you know, kind of tracking the the box office weekly box office and stuff like that didn't. Jaws was kind of the you know the first blockbuster that that, and it's a little bit after this in '76, I think. Jaws. Well, I thought Jaws was
0: '75. It was probably over the summer though.
1: Yeah. Well, whatever. So a couple. The months point being this. is that was like the creation of the blockbuster and the entire let you know. We're we're tracking right. the public being interested in budgets and uh, you know box office totals. Okay. The only thing I can say uh, there is at least eight dollars in rentals through Amazon from Mike Olson's account. So I, I can say for sure that eight dollars <laughs> has been spent on this movie because I, I rented it twice.
0: I had a feeling that uh, I was going to have to watch it <laughs> l- more times than the the rental allowed, so I just bought it for ten bucks. <laughs> So I spent more than you. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. 20th Century
1: Fox, you've gotten us for almost $20 on yes, this one. absolutely. All right. So I can cover, though, the TV. TV definitely. This was pe- maybe peak. Uh, maybe not peak, but but certainly network TV was very prominent back in the 70s. Sure. That. So, is this too early for All in the Family? <sighs> Spot on, my friend. Yes. Number one is All in the Family with a 30.1. Think about Jeez. that. A third of the homes in America watching the same show. Yeah, that's crazy. Like a hit show now is like a four, isn't it? (laughs) I think it's a little bit higher, but honestly, not much. Uh, A couple of these, I was surprised. I, I knew some, but the number two, maybe you know this one, Rich Man, Poor Man. I've heard of it. Okay, I don't know what it's about. Never heard of that one. Uh, number three, though, certainly have. Laverne and Shirley was number three. With th- Keep in mind, so All the Family, number one, 30.1. Rich Man, Poor Man, which I don't even know what it is, 28.
0: Laverne and Shirley, 27.5. Okay. Uh, all right. That number- so pretty much covers everybody. Well, assuming they're, they're obviously not at the same time. Yeah, they're not, not at the say. same time, exactly. Uh, but
1: number four, Maud. Number five, The Bionic Woman is oh. the number five show in America. Yeah, I always had the sense that that was a bigger hit than The Six, $6 million, million Dollar Man. Man. I think so, too. Uh, I, do, I do still, I like the concept of six million dollars was an outrageous amount of money <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to, to spend on robotics at one point Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's,
0: that's like, <laughs> you know, for the average 70-year-old, that's what <laughs> your insurance 20, is paying for. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, number six
1: uh, was Phyllis. Uh, tied uh, number seven was Sanford's son and Rhoda. Number nine, the Six Million Dollar wow. Man. So he did make the top ten, but he is far down the list from the Bionic Woman. Uh, and number ten, this has certainly come up in the seventies and maybe even in the eighties for us. The ABC Monday Night
0: Movie. Well, that stuck around into the nineties,
1: I think. Might or was it been, CBS
0: or something. I think it was CBS. The, right. the
1: networks changed, but they, there was a like movie movie of the week, basically in the top ten for many of these that we've done You're in right. the seventies and eighties.
0: I'm thinking of the CBS movie, which is usually like a Hollywood movie, right? Or is the ABC yeah. movie was a movie of the week? I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. All
1: right. It's so, been
0: a while since that was a thing. It's hard to even remember. <laughs> I mean, we're barely old enough too.
1: We're barely old enough to remember when you had to rent. Videotapes, <laughs> yes. let alone everything being streaming on demand or having not have movies actually you know, being shown on TV on things like
0: HBO only. The so. convenience of being able to pay $8 to watch <laughs> yes. Capone from 1975. Yeah, listen to me. How spoiled am I that I'm complaining <laughs> about the $8 I had to spend? You don't have it. to leave your house to spend those eight no, bucks I at did least. Not.
1: All right, so on the rest of the history front, the important uh, S&P 500 is at 84.72. Uh, April 3rd. Wait. And, oh,
0: <laughs> Twix. It's, it's sort of my thing. My one vice. Took me a second to remember where the button was.
1: <laughs> it's so great to have a Dolph Lundgren drop <laughs> on a... Sylvester Stallone podcast on a movie that nobody
0: probably other than you and I have seen to make fun of you for your S and P five hundred yeah, facts.
1: All right, April third, nineteen seventy five, Bobby Fischer refuses to play in a chess match against uh, Anatoly uh, Kar- Oh man, Karpov giving Karpov the title of world chess champion. April fourth, uh, the Vietnam War, the first military operation, baby lift flight. Crashes 27 minutes after takeoff, killing 138 on board. 176 survived the crash. Also on April 4th, on a little bit more positive note, uh, Bill Gates founds Microsoft. (laughs) I guess it's a positive note. I I didn't get rich by (laughs) cutting a lot of checks. checks. Uh, April 15th, uh, Karen Ann Quinlan, 21, faints after consuming Quaaludes at a party. She co- she becomes a controversial subject in the right to die movement after her parents sue to have her comatose body removed from life support. She lives off a feeding tube until 1985. Wow. Uh, April. I, I don't know if the right to die you know movement has has been solved here in the United States.
0: Well, at the very least, it's not news anymore. No, I, I don't. Doesn't necessarily mean it hasn't been solved. Yeah. It just means that uh, the news has moved on to in, other
1: things. Indeed. Uh, April twenty fourth. Six Red Army faction terrorists take over the West German embassy in Stockholm, taking 11 hostages and demand the release of the group's jailed members. Shortly after, they are captured by Swedish police, which I imagine is... What the basis of Stockholm Syndrome is based on is, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is that I, I, uh, terrorist event.
0: I, I'm sure you're right. But so when you started that sentence, I assumed this is going to be about Munich and the Munich Olympics. That was a couple of years earlier, right? 72 uh, or something?
1: 72, I think, was okay. the Munich Olympics. Correct? I guess
0: 75 is not Olympics year, so no. I should have known.
1: That's all right. Uh, April 30th, uh, the fall of Saigon. The Vietnam War ends as communist forces um, take Saigon, resulting in mass evacuations of Americans and South Vietnamese. The capital is taken. South Vietnam surrenders unconditionally. That's
0: definitely newsworthy.
1: Uh, it is. I did not want to end on a sour note. So, May 5th. It's the 70s. <laughs> you can end on a sour note. Uh, I'm not even sure if this is relevant, but I don't care. It was close enough to April. May 5th. The Bush Gardens Williamsburg theme park, originally known as Bush Gardens,
0: the Old Country, opens in Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay. All right. Important Bush Gardens facts. I. I I feel like I was at a Busch Gardens once, but I don't think it was that. Are there multiple Busch Gardens? Or yes, is that, yeah? yeah. There's yeah. definitely in Florida. There's one in Florida. That's the one. That's the one I've been to. Uh, and I just remember being disappointed. I think we were at, like, it was like a Disney World trip. It's like let's also go to Busch Gardens, and you go there, and it's like compared to Disney World, this place sucks. Duff Gardens,
1: <laughs> hurrah! <laughs> well, let me ask you this: if the if the seven Duffs were there, and there was a Duff Pyramid, <laughs> would would Bush Gardens have been more fun? Well, I was like twelve, so I I don't think I would have appreciated
0: the Duff beer p- even if, pyramid.
1: Even if you could have lifted the Duff pyramid <laughs> in the palm of your hand,
0: I don't even remember the I, the, the episode you're referencing. Oh, really? You don't? I um, mean, I it, I, rec- I remember Duff Gardens and the the Duff uh, like the Duff characters, the seven and Surly. I mean, yeah, Surly Surly
1: has to be one of the great. I don't small remember the character. Duff. I don't remember
0: the Duff pyramids.
1: Sorry, Surly, shut up. All right, so finishing out history. Uh, the New York Times fictional bestseller seller is Centennial by James Michener. Didn't recognize We've it.
0: We've gotten his name a bunch of times, and I never have never heard of him outside
1: of your reports. <laughs> he clearly he apparently was a very successful author. That I guess so. Didn't didn't. His legacy did not extend beyond the 70s, apparently.
0: Yeah, well, the Bicentennial had been coming up. Or it, was, it, was, it was He looming. was, cashing, he was yeah.
1: cashing in, too.
0: Just like this movie is cashing in on the Godfather phrase. <laughs> centennial. I assume that was set in 1876. The Centennial. Not the Bicentennial. Our, uh... Those tall ships really <laughs> lifted the country's spirits after Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: and the Billboard 100 is at least an artist I rec- recognize, but I don't remember the song or know the song. Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John is the number one single in the United yeah,
0: States. Yeah, that must be one that is recognizable, but I don't know.
1: Don't know it. So that was going on in April of 1975. Ready to head to the big picture? Let's do
0: it, the big <laughs> picture. <laughs> this is a joke.
1: You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for big conversation.
0: Yeah, good luck to us.
1: <laughs> the big picture, this is the segment of the show where we discuss the plot of the movie. I I, t- I think my one sentence actually might be the entire plot of Yeah, the movie. I mean, go
0: ahead. I th- I think eventually I kind of was able to follow it, but for a while it was just like, who has been killed and why? I'd, it wasn't until the second viewing I was able to follow. It. Go ahead. Uh, well, w- we can cover a little bit more than maybe this is too derisive.
1: I have this is the life and times of Al Capone, but only the years he was a mobster and a little bit of time after he was when he was an ex-con because it literally you don't get the birth of Al Capone. No, you pick up literally when he becomes Scarface that he gets thrown through a window and gets a cut on his face. It literally is just you get none of his backstory. You don't get the truth about his his home and family life because they write out his wife. So it, it is the life and times of him as a gangster.
0: It's not the life and times it's oh. just the times cuz okay. we don't learn anything about his You're life. right. <laughs> I mean scratch that off. Uh yeah, I mean it's it really is just here are the things the that, historical timeline of Al Capone as a gangster. It's just his his professional life it's just his like right. and and a little bit of a fictional uh, um, romance if you want to call it that. Um yeah, otherwise and that feels totally studio mandated. I think I may have said that before but oh I mean, yes. It's, it's just like we have to have a, a romance in this movie. Uh, yeah,
1: uh, honestly, I mean that's that's what it felt like. And this, you know, the cynic in me also feels like it was the 70s, and they're like, we need some nudity in this movie, and we need female nudity. It's it's the 70s, and it's a
0: Roger Corman movie, so yes,
1: <laughs> check check those For boxes. Sure. Yeah, uh, I mean we can get into it a little bit more than that, but honestly, I mean that's to me that's what it was. Is it just was the timeline of his ascent and fall? Of of
0: being a a gangster. Well, ultimately, it's a movie about, you know, watch, don't trust the guy who is one, like Stallone says at the end, as Frank Needy. He's he's talking in hindsight about Capone saying, oh, he's stupid. He was always looking at the guy across the street. He didn't know that That I was going to move him out. (laughs) Yeah. Which I don't think is historically true. I don't think Frank Needy. He took o- to he, the- he took out he took over the Chicago outfit. Well, that's true, but I don't think he's responsible for right. Al Capone going to prison, right? He, he didn't turn over Al's the tax records or whatever is is no. supposed to have happened in this movie. No. Like, yeah, that it, but it's it's only to tell the story they wanted to tell. Yeah. Cuz it starts off with um Big Jim was in charge, is that what uh, it is?
1: And Big Jim Calisimo is a uh, again, it's bad that I'm using as a reference point Boardwalk Empire, but I, I do think they tried to weave in
0: as much historical accuracy as they could. Oh, too much. Well, it, because it it's so. I think it's it's so rigidly sticking to the dates and the events that it feels like it feels very mechanical. Oh, I'm talking about
1: Boardwalk, but oh. I, but I hear you. So, Big Jim absolutely was in charge of the the the, the Chicago. It wasn't even the outfit yet, right? But it, organized. It was the, a gang. that Yes. He ran, yeah. Yes. Uh, and and had a. Uh, what's funny is you're. Opening with capitalizing on the godfather, th- there is an element, you know, of reality in that, of that the n- it always is the next guy has growth in new markets sure. that the old timers don't want to enter into. And that, se- that seems to be what it always is. And that's exactly what it is. You know, Big Jim had been very successful with
0: prostitution and gambling. What is this? Prohibition?
1: Ah, I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah, I kind of I I understand where he was coming from because the whole thing is like uh, this this prohibition won't last. It'll last six months and people will, won't stand for it, and so he didn't want to make the investment and and so on. It's so like I get that. That's a, that's actually a you know it has nothing to do with any kind of morality because in the Godfather it's it's you know Vito being like I'm like right. you know, it's wrong to sell. Dro- I mean not wrong, but he is he kind of has a, a ethical, moral opposition to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here it's just like. I don't think that's a good money maker. It's really all it is. <laughs> it's bad business. Yeah, he thought it was bad business, and it's like, well, you know, he ended up being wrong, but still, it's it's understandable. But um, and then who's the guy underneath him who ends up getting Al, Al Capone to kill Big John, Johnny Johnny Torrio? Johnny uh, Torrio, uh, and, yes. And
1: they're fairly. This movie is fairly accurate in uh, the the rise and fall and retirement uh, of of Johnny Torrio. I yeah. mean, all of that is pretty historically accurate. Uh, it's ironic, actually. He he does, you know, retire, but he actually winds up coming back from Italy later, and it's kind of like the the consigliere for the New York and Chicago. He he's still respected, right? Um, even after into retirement, he doesn't have wield the same power and doesn't run anything, but he still is somebody that they consult years down the line uh so johnny in many ways johnny torio was the smartest one because he, he lived the longest because he's like I, <laughs> right I, I i don't want any part of this because eventually somebody's just gonna kill me
0: yeah but i again i i, I think I, I feel i think the only one that's from from the i mean you know more about this sort of thing than i do i mean I, i'm not particularly interested in like you know crime history and to the degree that you are but like um from what I, from the sense that I got from just reading a little bit before uh, we were recording, um, like I think Big Jim Calissimo, is that what yes. it, it seems like he's the only one where maybe his he was killed by his own man, like his by uh, Oh Torio. He, 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 they, he, they don't know for sure. But probably, possibly yes. Al Capone killed him, but they don't know. So this movie just presumes that Al Capone killed him. Um, but every other time it happens in this movie, it seemed totally ahistorical. Like the idea of Al Capone being behind—I um, um, already forgot his name. Uh, Torio, oh, J- Johnny Torio, yeah. yeah. The idea that he was that Capone was behind Torio's uh, near assassination, I mean, he survives, but still, like that seems like there's no nobody actually believes that. And then the same goes for for Frank Needy to Al Capone and um and then at the end <laughs> my favorite part i'm jumping right to the end but when frank needy tells the message of the movie of oh, we got to watch the guy behind you and then he walks off screen and then just slow zoom <laughs> on his number 2 <laughs> the shifty eyed dog <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's an implied fourth one coming. I mean, I don't think... If there was a sequel to this movie, Frank, you were going to yeah, be on your way you're out. you're doomed. And he says this with no self, no self-awareness Wait, of just, like, all? he's telling his number two... If that, the, if that guy hadn't been thinking, he'd be like, whoa, that's an excellent <laughs> idea. That seems like a green light from the boss there. <laughs> This is just how it works. Um, But yeah, it seems like this movie is trying to square peg round hole it, where it's like all these things... You know, it's it's making a lot of assumptions about historical fact where it's assuming that Al Capone, you know, took out Johnny Torrio to become the head of the outfit, right. and it's, it assumes that Frank Needy was involved in Capone going to jail. And because it just wants to set up these situations where it's like the number Look out, two is, right. Look out is for conniving underneath whoever the boss is. But anyway, yeah, and there's a lot of. There's a lot of detail in this movie about the different gangs that were in Chicago at the yeah. time, and it all is. I looked it all up, and it's like, okay, well, it seems like it was all pretty accurate in terms of what happened. Again, it's there's no insight about any of it, no. but it's like, oh, there's the Gianni brothers, right? And then there's uh, Dino Banyan. Dino uh, Banyan. Then and there's like an O'Donnell, right? Uh, well, there's Dino Banion and Moran. Th- those are the two right. large uh, Irish. And, and another Sp- guy, and Spike who, O'Donnell. And, okay. Yeah. And I, it's because they're real people, but it's like this. I have it gives a hard no time background in depth. No, what, I have a hard time with names. So it's like there's no Banion <laughs> and an O'Donnell. That I, those are too close. I can't remember this. The, and
1: the only so for me because I have more of you know an interest. Right. Um. And again, to reference Boardwalk, Dino Banion is a focal point. They do a good job of weaving some fictional characters into O'Banion's gang in in Chicago, as well as actually on the Capone side. So they, those two were very prominent in that show. So I've ha- I've had more exposure and then read more on you know, obviously Capone, but but Dean O'Banion, yeah, and and the flower shop that that does track to history. Now again, it didn't. I don't think it played out the way that they show it, but he he was murdered, did work in his own flower shop, and ultimately was was assassinated in his own flower
0: shop. Uh, the funny thing is, you know. Like I said, a lot of these characters kind of look the same. Like, oh, O'Bannon o- and O'Donnell—they also cast two actors who didn't look that different. Like, yeah. so, so when that flower shop scene happened, um, I was just like, who was that? Who just got killed? And because they don't do a good job reminding you who everybody is, and you know, and they don't—the movie doesn't do a good job. I mean, the director Steve Carver—I looked him up. He continued directing. It's nothing special. I don't think it's necessarily badly directed, but. The focus is so on Capone. Like whenever there's a scene, you know, there's a scene where it's like a big sit down with all the different bosses or whatever, is Albanian o- and and um, Torrio and O'Donnell and the Gianni brothers. There's a scene where they're all sitting around, they're all talking. Cameras on Ben Gazzara, like. 80% of the scene and so the movie doesn't do a good job showing us okay here's who I mean we see o- O'Banion and we see him a couple of times but it's like I didn't remember what he looked like so right. I'm like oh some guy in a flower shop got shot I don't know
1: who that it, is it, the, the equivalent would be for, to be a knockoff it would be sitting down in the restaurant and 80% of the time it's on Michael and you have no idea who Salazzo and um, right. Uh, oh man the police chief Oh, Sterling Hayden! It's going to kill me that I can't remember. But Captain McCluskey. Yeah, yeah. It, it would, honestly, it would be like you, you spend your whole time, and then those guys come up later and get killed. I'm like, wait a minute, who, who are those guys? Because right. you have no idea who they are. Because ninety percent of the time it was on Pacino. And Sterling Hayden gets enough you know, screen right. time and
0: memorable, and you, you, yes, you he's established, he so you know who he is, and you remember who he is. But
1: uh, to, just to, to kind of play the analogy out, it would be that all of a sudden he gets he gets
0: shot and killed. Like, well, what happened? Who is that guy? And there's no scene. Like, in The Godfather, there's a whole scene of them sitting down and talking, and then it's like there's the tension of he's got to go in the, the bathroom and get the gun. And, you know, there's a whole s- – in this movie, Stallone and the, the other guys just march in, oh, hello, boys, and they just shoot him. And it's like okay, that's not, that's not a scene. It's just a just they march in and they shoot them and they leave. None of those are seen. There's so many of those those quote unquote scenes where it's just like someone's walking out of a place and people drive by and they shoot them. You're right. And it happens over and over and over. Because what's the, I, I, we can go. Spike O'Donnell gets it with the shotgun. Yes, dying. he's first. <laughs> You're right though. Because uh, Cobra Kai knocks over his his rum operation. <laughs> In in Joliet's, clearly it's Joliet's, the the rolling hills of Joliet. I like that it's Cobra Kai. Martin Cove, who was in Death Race two thousand, so he's obviously he was he was a staple of uh, of the um, the Roger Corman universe at this time. Obviously him and Stallone. I wish I would have put that in my notes. It actually would have made me smile more when he was on camera if I would have said
1: Cobra Kai. I,
0: I I have a hard time remembering his name. I just think of him mean, as Cobra Kai. Martin Cove. He he's a standout too. I like uh, in particular. I mean, he's just a, a trigger man. He has no yeah. character. He's just a guy who shows up and shoots people. Right. But the first time he shows up, I really did find it like kind of funny and like I don't want to say shocking, but it was just like oh, it kind of made me go like oh, because he, he they they rob a, a, a bootlegging operation in Joliet, yeah, and they he, they were running booze down from Canada, and yeah, yeah, and and him walking up to that car and be like hello boys, and just bang, <laughs> just and I just remember like wow, like something about his his performance. He's like this like. He kind of does it with a smile, and it's very like sinister in a way that I was like, okay, I, I understand why Martin Cove and Stallone, I mean Stallone more so, obviously, but both of them went on to have long careers. Yeah, do other things, right? You watch this movie, and it's like, yeah, the, both of them are are they stand out.
1: Yeah, uh, that that's. I think that pretty much covers the plot. <laughs> and there's anything else you want to? <laughs> there's cover. a lot that happens.
0: I mean. I mean, should we talk about the, the what, what's her name? Susan Blakely's character. There's that. There's that stuff.
1: All right, hold on. I uh, I have to go to my notes for for that. Eve, Evie, uh, Ivy. But her Ivy, la- her last name Crawford.
0: Okay, Miss Crawford. I feel like we don't I was get calling her, fir- her
1: Daisy Buchanan. So, <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, Great Gatsby.
0: Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen or read Great Gatsby. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think we get her first name until she dies. Because whatever, if, if you do it, it's just that it might be the nude scene before
1: she died. I mean, oh sure, it, it is always like yeah, Miss Crawford in the introduction when Capone just randomly you know jacks her <laughs> husband, I think, in in the face yeah, or
0: something. That scene happens three times. It's like why we don't need this three times? It happens once. That's enough. Yeah, because when he first arrives in Chicago. Right, she, she kind of, and um, I, I like her character. She she clearly is like she knows what she wants, and so she's going to go after Al Capone. She doesn't care that her husband is sitting right next to him, to her, <laughs> you know. And it happens three. T- there's that first scene when uh, Big Jim is still around, and then. This? It happens later when Al Capone is now running the joint and they go to the, so, some Italian guys like you need to go out there. Some woman's making a scene. And it's happening again or she's going nuts. And yeah, um, there's and then, and then the third time in the casino. <laughs> Craps table. <laughs> well, the best part of that is the scene has already happened twice where she goads her husband or boyfriend or whatever yeah. into fighting Al Capone just because she's, you know, she enjoys it. Obviously she's just like sa- causing trouble. You know, she's just a wild you know, lady. She's just, she's just, she's just wild. And, um, the third time in the casino where it's like, "Aren't you gonna punch him?" And uh, Al Capone's like, "Hire a bodyguard." Okay, <laughs> <It's, it's- laughs> and then he punches Al Capone like, like, as if the husband's like, "No, we have to do this. This is my only role in this movie is to fight you." <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's. I don't know if you've seen the script notes, but <laughs> right, yes, you can't walk away from this fight. It's in the script. Um, that made me laugh of just, like, this fight's happening. Al Capone cannot walk away from fighting this guy over and over and over. (laughs) Why did this fight, why did this scene happen three times? I was most... You could introduce her in the casino. You could have introduced that character in that scene. You could have. There's no reason to introduce her. You're right,
1: because she really didn't do anything in the... Scenes prior to that because after that is when they go on like their driving date and whatever. Yeah, when
0: well, also when you consider that they when they meet it's like 1921 or whatever and then they don't start like seeing each other for like six years, it's like, well, were they constantly running into each other and he was constantly beating up her husband for six years? <laughs> well, it was like another 40 of these inc- incidents that we didn't that see, we
1: just didn't see.
0: This is just their thing. Well,
1: I can tell you the last one set me off because I was thinking, I'm like, if I was at that crabs table, you just completely ruined my bets, Al. There's no way that the box man there knows where my. My chips probably got knocked over with everybody
0: else's oh well well maybe someone maybe they cracked out right before i don't know is it like the simpsons there's a baby <laughs> on the table that's, that's good, good luck. luck hey guys oh. yes i was very <laughs> upset about that there's a cuckolded husband on the table that's good luck seven <laughs> anyway uh, that. and yeah, they 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 go golfing, and that's that's really the only story in this movie. Is their yeah, and the, the rest is actual human. The Saint
1: Valentine's Day Massacre has to happen on this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> the
0: the funniest thing. It'll to be me. a massacre. <laughs> the guy going. It'll be a massacre. <laughs> Just in case you don't know what this is. God,
1: I mean, that's a, actually funny. It is. He, it would be even more over the top. No, don't not not that over the top. <laughs> okay, fine. But if he said, "It'll be a massacre." Oh, I need to
0: go get some chocolates for my sweetie. It would
1: be <laughs> great if it was like a follow up line to that. I can't
0: massacre people on Saint Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's, it's a day of love. I mean, that's the most memorable line in this movie. Is, It'll be a massacre. <laughs> the only other line I literally wrote down in my notes. I think this is – my note is I think this is the only line of dialogue in this entire movie that is an exposition. <laughs> and it's the only line that I kind of thought was actually kind of clever is – is because um, this is after the second or third time that Al Capone beats up Susan Blakely's <laughs> husband. And she, he's driving her home, and she goes, like, is, is that all you do is fight? Or something like that. And he goes, <laughs> take I take Sundays off. <laughs> I was like, hey, movie, that's an actual joke. That's like an actual thing that <laughs> – uh, you it, know, it's it's not just telling us things that happened. It's actually kind of in, insightful I, to his character. I kind of laughed at it too. It's such an oasis in in this desert of of drama. That's uh, why it stands out, I think.
1: Anyway, uh, all right, you ready to move on to technology? Yeah, I guess so.
0: Anyway, but let's just really quick. Frank Needy sends, just just we have to cover the plot a little bit. Frank Needy uh, betrays Al Capone and gets him somehow. Sent to prison for tax evasion. Somehow Frank Needy is, yeah, is, is, is responsible, according to this movie. Yeah, and then he,
1: he's uh, coordinating with City Hall because City Hall wants there to be peace on the streets. Yeah, Al is just—he's just a gunman, right? He's just a gangster gunman. Right. So Needy says, "I, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll clean him out." But then, you know, City Hall basically then has to throw their support behind behind him and the judges and all the, all the rest that comes with. Uh, running rackets in the city of Chicago has to transfer to Needy.
0: Sure. And he does, and Al goes to Alcatraz, loses his mind. Well, Susan Blakely dies. She's oh, shot yes. in the street. And then he, he has, like... Suddenly, he's re- he's remorseful for, like, a brief moment, and then he never mentions her again. It's- oh, my God. I, I repent. Like, I, he starts praying. He's like Oscar. He goes, he goes straight for just like forty seconds, right. <laughs> and then he forgets. He's like, he's that money to make." That's right. He never mentions her, and then at the end, yeah, he's losing his mind, and he's out of prison, and he's ranting about the Bolsheviks. It's like, why? Why is this the thing? Bolsheviks? It's just like, <laughs> why suddenly is? I mean, I guess that's because that was happening in in the world at the time. But it's like, shouldn't you be connecting him to some events that we've seen? Like, shouldn't he be sad about Susan Blakely or something? You know, are angry about? Uh, I don't know what what even this movie is trying to say.
1: I don't, and the I don't know if that was something that the real Capone probably did, did deflect. You know, cause what they don't play up enough in this is that the Al Capone was you know a media hound. I mean, that, that really is why he's the that's true the yeah. most f- you know infamous gangster. There probably actually were more. You know, I don't know this. But they were as ruthless, if not more ruthless. But the, the difference is a lot of them said, no, I don't want publicity. I don't want people to know what I'm doing. I just want to collect my millions of dollars and drive my gold house or have live in my gold <laughs> house and
0: have my rocket car. Well, if you could drive the gold house, and that's really fancy. <laughs> really, that's how you really know you're rich. You
1: really have made it. But I, that's what this movie really fails. You barely get that. But yeah. that's what Capone is actually – why he is still known today
0: is because of the media coverage that he sought out. Yeah, and the only time you see that of him being the media hound is when they're asking him, like, how do you feel about movies? Because they're asking him about, like, the movie Scarface. And it's like, ah, kids should have better role models for me. Not gonna wanna,
1: they come out of those movies and they want to be, uh, you know, a, a hood, not uh, doctors or lawyers.
0: And he's basically saying, like, what a stupid idea to make a movie based on me. I'm going, like, yes, I agree based on this movie we're watching right now. Anyway, yeah, now we're done, I think. All right. Let's move on. It's already up in the cloud. We'll cloud. We'll cloud. You. Ah,
1: technology. This is the segment where we should be discussing how uh, improvements or advancements in technology would impact the plot or other aspects of the movie. However,
0: it's not really applicable in this. Instance. Yeah, no. One, I have two notes. One is movie, is filmmaking related, and, oh. and one is not at all technology related. It's just like, well. well first things first. The sound in this movie is terrible. Just the, like, audio recorded. That. The one time I noticed it was when, uh, Big Jim, uh, Cal- yeah. was, when he when he gets, uh, killed by Al Capone. He comes into his, like, like club or whatever, and there's, like, like a jazz clarinet player just, like, practicing, and he's talking to him, and he's saying something like, any messages for me or I'm waiting for someone to, I forget, but you can't hear a word he's saying. It's just like, <laughs> And then and it's like, <laughs> and that, I can't I understand a thing they're saying. Because the shot, he's way in the like, the background of the shot, and they, yeah. they had no place to hide a microphone. So the microphone's like 20 feet away, clearly, and they're not just picking up anything. I, I didn't catch that. There are a catch. couple of different places where I was like, the sound of this movie is so bad. Whereas now they would just pin a microphone yeah. to their, his lapel. and you know, They have it covered. So that's, that's a thing that kind of drives me crazy, particularly like movies from this period. Because I think, like, 70s movies, they try to be, like, real. I mean, this movie is mostly on you know, soundstage. Um, and occasionally out in the hills of Southern California, po- passing for Illinois. Roll my eyes so hard at that stuff. <laughs> Joliet, 1920. It's like, no, that is not Joliet. Anyway, I understand that she filmed it in Southern California. I've been to Joliet. <laughs> um, yes, it's very close. We could, <laughs> we could be there very soon and see. There are no rolling hills. Anyway, um what was i going to say oh but yeah i think 70s is when like movies were like we need to film on locations Pretty, and have it I mean, yeah, I mean, have it feel more like, get out of the sound stages and make it feel make things feel less uh, artificial yeah, and I mean, very
1: much you know scorsese and taxi driver right actually yeah. in the streets of new york
0: yes. but but the technology was not quite there yet At least in order to do it you had to be very careful and plan very well and this movie was just like i don't know Put a microphone like a mile away.
1: It's perfect.
0: Um yeah, so I think that would that would it it, would, it drove me a little crazy in this movie, but um and then my other techno- quote unquote technology note and it's just my my covid addled brain. <laughs> Not literally covid. I mean just because of the <laughs> I don't have covid. I'm just saying like living in covid world for yes. over a year now, this is where my brain went cuz it starts in September 1919. <laughs> I yes, was watching does. this going, they should be more concerned about the Spanish flu. <laughs> nobody's, <laughs> nobody's concerned.
1: I did not think about that at all. That's awesome. That's where my
0: brain went. So I'm just like, oh, the Spanish flu is going on. They are not being careful. <laughs> not at all. Anyway, that's all I have for this. They segment.
1: fear no reprisals. I <laughs> guess not. All right. You ready for the little details? Let's do it. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. Ah, uh, still my favorite sound drop, Edwood. A uh, Little details, this is the segment of the show where we discuss minutiae of the movie that we found noteworthy or interesting.
0: Well, now I'm thinking that uh, the actual, the filmmaking of this movie is very Edwood esque I mean, a low budget. It's,
1: it, we probably should have the drop, it's perfect for almost everything in this. <laughs> yeah,
0: one take. In real life, Lobo would have trouble walking through that door every day. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you want to start?
1: I, I'll start in my first note. I, I was really stretching, but did, do you find it as odd as I did? During the opening credits. Yes, that's my
0: first, first note also. All right,
1: I'm going to let you go because maybe no, you started. No, you started. Go ahead. It's just there's these pauses, and, I, but they're it just. It didn't make sense where they were choosing to pause for the credits, and then it, it, intermittently there would be like red yeah, well, up on this, the
0: screen. Okay, I, all, all the freeze frames were red. And there'd be like you know credit on there, and, and but, then and then everyone is is scored with music where it, it's like you know music's playing, and then red freeze frame and goes.
1: Brian,
0: I didn't. But what it, is this? What is that?
1: And then where they chose to pause during the action because yeah. that entire opening scene is uh, not Stallone Capone setting up himself to try and ascend up the ladder by you know he sees that there's a robbery going down which ironically, if it's stealing from the Godfather, it just needed to wait for the Godfather 2 because they're stealing rugs, which is you know a prominent kind of opening with Vito uh, meeting. Oh, yeah. Uh, not Tessio, but Clemenza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, they, they told me I could take the rug. That's what I was kind of waiting <laughs> for them to tell the cops. No, no, they said we could take the rugs.
0: Well, Godfather 2 was in 74, right? So this is after Godfather uh, 2.
1: And, and that scene actually may be in the book anyway. But I, I don't remember. Uh, 72, yeah, 72. I think is the Godfather. And I think you're right. 74. Yeah. All right. Well, then they were just ripping that off. But what didn't make sense to me is that that sequence was him like leering down the alley, making a call. Why are you freeze framing
0: during this? For cra- I was just very confused. Some of the freeze frames because he calls the police so that he can step in and yeah. impress the boss. So he, yeah, I, by, I, by beating up some cops to help out. Right. He set this up. He called the police so they could beat up the police so that he could look yeah. good for for um, for what's it? Frankie name? Uh, Frankie Yale. Yeah, Frankie Yale. Um, but like so, some of these freeze frames, like he calls the police. The police get in their like nineteen nineteen cop car. And they go, and they, they they haul ass down the road, and freeze- it's just a freeze frame of like the blurry mess as they're as they're going past the camera, and like it's just like it's all smeared across. Why
1: did you choose that? Why right. is
0: this relevant that we're stopping the movie right? Suddenly it's, it's red and it goes, ble, 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 and then back to the scene. It's so dumb. And it's interrupting the the piece of music, which is my next uh, note because okay. I'm pretty sure this opening scene, aside from the times where it pauses and goes. Ble, 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 um it plays this mu- this movie's one piece of music which is played over and over and <laughs> over and boy I was so sick of that music <laughs> by the end of this especially watching it twice <laughs> It's like a it's like a loop from like an Atari game. It's like an eight second loop, and it just loops over and over. <laughs> like you're playing Pong. <laughs> There's not enough memory for in this movie to, ha, just to keep write keep more looping music. It, looping it, looping it. I mean, it. They, I'm sure they just paid a composer for one day, write us some music, and then just you know, it just looped it and looped it and looped it. Why pay them to say meep meep when you can just pay for rope's. exactly what it is. Meep. Yes. <laughs> Cheap bastards looped it in post. There was one good piece of music, and it's when uh, Big Jim is killed. And it's, I, I actually thought, like, oh, I, I, I really like the music in this movie. I didn't realize they were going to play that one. This is before they repeated that one piece of music eight times. But it's when that clarinetist is, like, practicing, and then, like, they bring in some score underneath it, and it's, like, there's a jazz clarinet playing, but then there's, like, ominous music underneath i was like, wow, that's really cool. But then nothing that cool ever happened again. It's just right back to... It's going to be in my head for a month, that stuff. God.
1: Uh, All right, so my next set of notes is just the 12 dates that are highlighted, which we don't need to go through all of them. No,
0: run through them. We need to talk about something. (laughs)
1: All right, so you are right. I missed that it is in the Spanish flu era that we open up. Yes. I have September 23rd, 1919. The next is the much derided Joliet, June 8th of
0: 1920. Yep. Then we have September 4th, 1923. I'm listening for something. Go ahead. i I'm, I'm. I'm- I'm going to stop you if I hear a particular type of date. Okay. I'm, 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 I'll tell you why in a sec. January 15th, 1925. Stop. <laughs> oh. It only just now occurred to me, now that we're running through the dates, January in Chicago. Do any of the scenes... <gasps> <laughs> you're right. Do any of the scenes... It didn't occur to me until you started going through these dates. I was like, oh, Wait. Just something Nobody's is. freezing their ass no. off. Nothing <laughs> happened in January in this movie in Chicago, that's for sure. This is, this is written by Los Angeles people who d- d- does not occur to them that it gets cold in January in Chicago.
1: What's interesting is I wish I would have... I should have had my notes aligned with what the event was. Because what would have been really funny, you know, if it was during one of those chase sequences, driving the cars. Cars driving around Chicago in January... Oh, in the 20s? <laughs> It would not have looked anything like it looked on screen, no. that's for sure. All right, uh, April 27th, 1926. Uh, 1926 was a big year because we got two dates on screen for that. That's when a lot happened. Uh, September, yet again, September 20th, 1926. Is
0: that when all the stuff happened that made him the boss of the outfits? That's yeah, probably why probably 26 is. was... Uh, spent. This movie spent a lot of time in 26.
1: It is time for... Uh, oh, and here I'm like, why do we have... Back to back dates. Oh, I know why. February 7th, 1929. (laughs) It'll be a massacre. February
0: 14th, 1929. Yep. It is a massacre. You didn't really need to put the, the, the February 14th date up. It's like, we get what's happening. You would think... The next day. Okay, it's the next day. We know what day it is. We don't have to. But you do. If you are in junior high and you're just working off of slides and you say, oh, I've got to each
1: you these dates, you have
0: to put the date you up. Yeah, you can't skip a date. No. I, I, it occurs to me, I wonder if, because um, in the movie Oscar, it's implied that Stallone's character Oscar is involved somehow, so maybe, I wonder oh. if. <laughs>
1: Is, it, is Did, did Frank, Frank change his name to Oscar at
0: some point? Maybe, yeah. Could be. I guess that would make some sense.
1: Uh, all right, June 13th, 1931. Now it's time to start really skipping the years by, because yeah. it's February 2nd, 1938. And finally, April 5th, 1946. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the February 2nd, we got Alcatraz. And... Uh, April fourth, nineteen forty six, they just give you Palm Island. They don't tell you that's in Florida. You have to know that or look it up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, not a lot of palms in Chicago, so not, I think not you in can Chicago, it's but... Not in Chicago, but yeah. I mean at that point, who cares? He's somewhere. <laughs> Why even put Palm Island? Why bother explaining where he is?
1: I think that's only because again they were working off of the slideshow, and that's <laughs> right. that's where St- uh, Stallone, Man. Capone, you know, his he, he legitimately that's where he spent his final days was down in some mansion that he had bought in Palm Island, Florida. Yeah. So okay. All
0: right. what's well, your What's your next note? <laughs> I want to talk about Ben Gazzara. As I said, I'm not that familiar with his, and I don't think he's necessarily good or bad. But there were moments in this movie <clears throat> where. He just decided he's just gonna give a line reading that is just extreme, like not not like not like Nicholas Cage extreme, but like he, he 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 makes some choices where I'm just like that was I don't know if I agree with you know certainly a lot of them didn't feel like Al Capone to me, um, and one of them is early when he when he gets pulled in by the cops for stopping the the, the robbery right at the beginning, and he goes they're like what are you doing? He's like I see a stickup going on, I want to help them. It was dark there. I couldn't see. He's just... <laughs> every once in a while, he'll do that. Most of the movie, he's just like... You know, like, whatever. But once out of every 20 line deliveries, he just decides, I'm going to go for it. Um, then later, later when um, he's on the phone and they're talking about, like, some politician they're buying off, and he's arguing with them about what kind of car. Oh, that's my next note,
1: the Auburn, and yeah. I'm
0: driving a Ford! <laughs> I'm driving a Ford over here. But then it goes on for like, I don't know, three or four lines of dialogue, and then eventually he goes, Alright, get him the Auburn! But, but he better, <laughs> he come better come through! That was the part I liked. When we need him, he better come through! I do remember that line. It did make me laugh. Um, yes. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, what's there's one more here. Oh, I just I just like his pronunciation of the word toilet. He says the word toilet twice in this movie, which is a lot more than you would expect. <laughs> and he pronounces it turlet, which I don't know if it's just an old-fashioned thing, or I don't know what, yeah, what I know region what it, that's supposed to be. One of the
1: references was, I think, was it Crooked Cod? There's more Crooked yeah, Cops than turlets. There port- are turlets.
0: More Crooked Cods in Chicago than turlets. <laughs> oh, oh and then the other time is when is with uh, um, Susan Blakely, where she... He, he, she he doesn't like the way she's talking or whatever. It's like it's uncouth and the uh, turlet talk or something. I forget what he says. I think that's the other thing. <laughs> I think time. that's it, yes. Something like that.
1: All right. Well, my my next is actually on Miss Crawford. She had a a variety of insults uh, for her husband, Mr. Cooper. Yeah. I don't know if you wrote them down, but I had fathead, creep, dip, spineless insect, and pigeon-toed
0: son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I like the pigeon-toed son of a bitch one. It begs the question of why they stuck together for so long. <laughs> why does he put up with her? It's, it's literally six years go by we see this uh, relationship. I mean, we don't see much of it. It's, we only see we just... one particular aspect of this relationship. Her husband getting into fights with Al Capone. Yes, multiple fights. Yeah, no, she, she's a real <laughs> pistol, this character. I like her.
1: Think about if that, you know, is your your timeline or your slideshow... That somebody you know, you're you're flipping through a photo album about your marriage, and the only thing that comes up are fistfights <laughs> with Al Capone. Yeah.
0: Oh, I remember this. I mean, that's basically all that happens. It seems like in their marriage, so that's <laughs> that's all they have to reminisce about.
1: Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed that about Miss Crawford. She uh, she she had quite the variety of insults.
0: Yes, I enjoyed a lot about Miss Crawford. All right, so there's one moment. It's when Al Capone first arrived in Chicago because. Um, um, uh, what's the guy's name? John Cassavetti's character. Uh, Frankie Yale? Frankie Yale sends Capone, because Capone is going to help get rid of Big Jim. And it's when he's getting off the train, and it's just voiceover of of uh, um, the two bosses talking, right? And um, um, what's his name? Not Johnny, Big Torrio. Jim. T- Johnny Torrio. Johnny uh, Torrio. He's talking, and he's just like, I need some help uh, with something here. And it's, it's shots of Al Capone getting off the train, and he goes, Torrio goes, this Alphonse Capone, he comes to mind, and um, next scene. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> you just, just kind of trailed off there. I, yeah, I, uh, I did kind of trail.
1: <laughs> so will they find Milhouse? Will they just find him, or will they find him and kill him? Well, when they find
0: him, they'll... Well, oh, so well, there's I'm Alphonse Capone. <laughs> will, he, will he kill him? Well, Wait, was, you didn't was, answer was, me. You just trailed off. I just thought it was really, I really strange. Poor this voiceover just trails off.
1: Do you think here's a little devil's advocate? Do you, do you think maybe Johnny was having second thoughts, but he had just he was like pot committed? Well,
0: I mean, the, the way it's edited, it's like Capone is already there. It's like he heard them talking. It's like poof, it's like a cartoon, you know, the cloud of smoke. It's like and no, it's like There's what you don't no going back for Toriel. No, you know what happened when we find, let me find the, the the actual dialogue. And it's, no, this Al- Alphonse Capone, he comes to mind, and, uh, and then he looks out the window, and Capone's just there already. I heard my name. My ears are burning. That's you're right. He's just just he's, ask this dietitian. Uh. <laughs> He'd tell you. Just ask this button man. Um. <laughs>
1: and literally, he's outside the window. And for Torio, there's no turning. But well he's already here, I guess I gotta take him.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, okay, I gotta go. He's here now. That's just bad editing. Uh. They were probably just edited in a corner. It's like, well, we need to end the scene, <laughs> but we can't cut. We can't edit this dialogue, so we're stuck with it.
1: Uh, so I, I also another reference I enjoyed I found, and this is going back to our bonus episode uh, for Get Carter, but there was a, a uh, Moran to Iello. Actually, was one of the other mobsters that we didn't even reference. It doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of
0: like all of the different gangs and the yeah both external and internal conflicts. It's the movie covers a lot of stuff that I don't care about but
1: the there was a discussion or a back and forth and there was a soft soap reference which
0: made me yes. made me smile that's also in my notes <laughs> I finally understand the the, the phrase from from, um, Get from Carter. Get Carter where that woman goes stick the soft soap and I remember thinking like what does that what that possibly mean and now this movie goes as the context because uh, bugs Moran is like I don't like you Sicilians you with your soft soap always you know to your face you're nice and then you stick the knife in I'm going oh soft soap like it's flatter now yeah. i understand and now i understand in get carter stick it stick the soft soap <laughs> it all clicked together i needed both of these movies i still don't know if that's like a 19 like an old fashioned phrase that that woman in get carter just still talking that way or if it's a particular regional dialect, yeah. or I don't know. I've, I had never heard the phrase Neither did I. "soft now soap. it's Now
1: it has come up twice. Yeah, I
0: definitely noticed it. So, all
1: right, uh, what? I don't have much more. So, what have you got?
0: Uh, I don't have much more either. I did enjoy the map of Chicago, where some props person just like they had to stencil Chicago on it, just in case you didn't know that it was Chicago. In a way that no map would ever
1: ever. <laughs> I I here's here's I and this isn't a knock on Stallone, but I just it's just so lazy the The way that Frank Nitty is starting his ascent is that as he's a bodyguard, he finds quote dynamite. I liked that scene. The, that's
0: one of the few moments I liked. Did
1: you? I just laughed. It's just whoa. Hey, wait a minute, Al. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, him faking. I mean, I, I think that's you know, it's hard to say because it's early in Stallone's career. Is he actually not? Acting well in the scene, or is he pretending? Because he's, well, he's, he's trying bad to pretend. Yeah, he's trying to yeah be Frank Nitty trying to act. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that's Frank Nitty being like, I need to give my the performance of my <laughs> life. Whoa, 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 whoa! Stop right there, boss. <laughs> <laughs> that mirror doesn't look like the way it should. That's boss. that's so smart though. Like, I thought that was very well thought out. Of like. You know, he bumps, he moves the mirror so that he can, he has an explanation for how he would have known. And I guess it's just, oh, look, they just put the dynamite in the front seat. <laughs> like, sure. that's not how a
1: car bomb works.
0: <laughs> right. And it didn't seem to be hooked up to anything. He, no, you know, he it,
1: just set it, it there.
0: He takes out like a detonator, but the detonator, what was it going to, what was going to set it off? <laughs> that's in my list of questions okay
1: i don't think you can answer it because it literally it was it may as well have just been an umbrella sitting there because honestly it was just something sitting on the front floor
0: it looks like a um, a meat thermometer stuck into it or something it's it's not hooked up to anything no what was gonna trigger the bomb yeah i don't know um but i liked the scene you're right the bomb just lying on the floor is stupid but kind of now makes me think of the batman movies some days you just can't get rid of a bomb This day,
1: he very easily gets rid of a bum. <laughs> he did. Um, All right, what what else have you got on the little details?
0: Uh, I did kind of mentally, you know, whenever you hear, like, a a reference to your hometown or whatever, and you're like, yay! It's like, this isn't any particular town, but I just liked how, um, I keep forgetting the guy's name, Al Capone's boss before. Johnny Torio. Johnny Torrio. I will, for whatever reason, it won't stick. But he's he's... Got the meetings with all the bosses, and he's like, Chicago, two million people, and that's not even taking into account the little towns outside the edges, and it's us living in a town outside the edges. I was like, Yay, hey, that's us! That's, yeah, it's oh. such a stupid thing, but I was so starved for entertainment, like that was enough to be like, Woo, that's me! I'm in a town on the edge of Chicago. They're looking to sell me some beer and whiskey. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cicero was a hotbed, but I wonder how if it would have made it out this way. There probably wasn't much out this way. No, This was all, all farms
1: out out this way. Actually, farmers in,
0: got a drink too. They do, but they they probably weren't
1: weren't buying from Chicago. Is my guess. They they probably were making their own out this. It's this true. Way.
0: Yeah, it was probably moonshine country. Yeah,
1: much like uh, oh, what's that movie with uh, Thomas Hardy and Shia Lawless. I was in Kentucky, but that, thats what I imagine was happening out in the the the, yeah. the flatlands and prairies. They were they were moonshining in their uh, in their barns. Well, Naperville is probably around. That was not, not a <laughs> Naperville huge was, town. But... It, it was established, yes, but it was mostly farms out here. Yeah, I guess so. All right, um, do I have
0: anything else? Yeah, I think we've mostly covered. What, what else I have?
1: No, yeah, I think the soft soap was the last one, and, and the. The hey boss, I found a bomb. Just that that, those were the ones that really jumped out at me. Okay, I have one last one. All right, let's let's just hear it.
0: A line of dialogue that it took me a second to realize that it was stupid. But once I realized that it was stupid,
1: it is a fine line between clever and stupid. No, this this is not near that line.
0: Okay, but it it almost it almost slipped underneath the radar for me. So I wonder if you remember this line because I I I heard it and went like. Wait a minute! That doesn't make sense. It's when um, this God. is this is early on where O'Donnell and O'Banion are having a conflict, and it's it's um, Martin Cove's character Pete and his goons are pushing around a bartender. Oh which, yeah, which I don't even know. Like I guess at the time bars could were just like ser- serving non alcoholic drinks. I was like, why is even a bar open? Like how's this not getting guy not getting busted all the time? But anyway, they're pushing him around. You got to buy from from O'Donnell or no from O'Banion? Yeah. And it's like I wouldn't, and the guy says, "Screw you, buddy! I wouldn't pedal a Slop for free." And I was I, like, "Wait, no! You should say you wouldn't. Sl- you wouldn't pedal for a million dollars. Of course, you wouldn't pedal it for free. Nobody would. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. regardless of the story, I wouldn't pedal a Slop for free.
1: That doesn't make any sense. It Make right.
0: a bit of sense, but it, you know, it's a, it, it. seems like the kind of thing somebody would say. So I didn't think about it at first. Then I was like, "Wait, you're
1: right? I completely missed that one." <laughs> That's yeah, a good should, catch. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't peddle it for a lot of money.
1: <laughs> Certainly not for free. Yeah,
0: definitely not for free. Yeah, that's, that's my last one. All right, you ready for The Devil's Advocate? Let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately.
1: All right, The Devil's Advocate, this is the segment of the show where we ask each other questions that we came up while watching the movie, and the other does their best to answer them. My list is not long, but I do have a few. How about yourself?
0: I've got a few. I, I kind of want to pick up on a conversation we just had about the the right, mirror and that. that you that. start well. Maybe you don't agree that it was smart. I I think it was a smart move by by Nitty and that, by that character to, to, you know, it's 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 obviously tying back to Al Capone early in the movie, calling the cop. It's like yeah. it's a it, he's lying to the boss, to, trying to make himself to look advance good, his career to advance his career. And I thought it was kind of a clever scene. So I guess my question is: Is this the smartest? Character that Sylvester Stallone has ever played. Ooh, because I thought that I thought that was very smart and he ends up working. And he he schemes his way to the top, and he ends up at the end of the movie, he is on top. All right, so I've got to. Ah,
1: uh, no, I, I'm going to tell you, it's very close though. Lucky Ray that's true. has to be the smartest guy. He, You're right. He I can, forgot about He can solve
0: puzzles. Virtual Rubik's Cubes. Yeah, of course. How can I forget he, Lucky he Ray? He
1: can solve virtual Rubik's Cubes. Yeah. But it's cool. In terms that's that's of, the right answer. Uh, out- <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Outside, To be honest, though, outside of that, there probably isn't anybody. No, he, he he probably
0: is the smartest. Maybe the guy from the specialist because he's an explosive expert and he'd probably be pretty smart to do that. But yeah. that's he's a very that's a very specialized skill. Yeah. Also, he's got a lot of like, traps in his home and stuff. Yes, that
1: so. would be that would be close. But I mean, he he ascends to the, be the boss of the Chicago outfit. That's yeah that's that's a lot that's a big accomplishment
0: i think that's why i liked that scene is like oh stallone gets to be smart in this movie it's such a rare thing we've seen a lot of Except s- lucky ray <laughs> yeah yeah that, that he gets to be smart in those movies too well we haven't seen the third one yet we have not we, we, we will see probably pretty soon whether or not <laughs> that character remains smart in escape uh, plan three the what is it called extractors extractors, extractors yes
1: all right so here's uh here's my first question so the judge you're referring to, that one of the Auburn, I believe, is Judge McQuaid. Yeah. All right. So I have Judge McQuaid's men called into the police holding Capone. Uh, oh no! So that was actually in New York. So I take that back because the that's at the beginning of the movie. Capone gets brought in by the police, right? And a judge, you know, that is on the take in New York from Frankie Yale makes a call.
0: And the cops are very angry. Doesn't even know the guy's name. He just he doesn't even, doesn't know what he was in for. Right. And just judge called and they had to release him. So here's what my question is. The, the the cop says Judge McQuaid's
1: men. So my question is, did the judges in New York even have muscle? <laughs> his <laughs> men called him.
0: Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I assume he means um, his, like, aides or something. I don't know.
1: I, it could be, but I, the choice of the word made it sound like, to me, that Judge McQuaid was also a
0: mobster because he had a bunch of goons. Yeah, I, I guess that's what we're led to believe. Okay. I mean, I, they seem pretty surprised by that, so the fact that he has men at all, you would think the cops would kind of know that the um, literally the judge is, is has his goons, then yes. you shouldn't be surprised when he enacts his... Uh, when he calls in a favor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I can answer that. No
1: case! <laughs> That's the highlight is that you can't make a case.
0: I don't know how much longer we can use this clip because I don't love... It's not a clean... uh
1: Oh, don't take this away from me. This was such a great.
0: Find. <laughs> I'm, I'm editing. I'm editing the cliffhanger episode, and it's like I'm listening, going like, you can't really tell if you don't know what it is. It's just you the, can't quite hear we've what she's saying. A better version. I mean, it's, do you have
1: any idea how excited I was to break down how absurd that line was in that
0: movie? That oh, I love the line, says, but when you're not watching, because uh, in the middle of the trial, we've got no case. The word "we" gets drowned out by the, by the music. <laughs> She kind of whispers, "We have no case," and so if you don't know what she's saying, You're, it's kind of hard to hear to understand what she's saying. You are right. There's no did, way to take the music out. It makes me laugh every time. We keep doing it, but um, the longer this goes on, where we're using it, the, 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 the farther away from the context it gets, <laughs> the more confusing it's going to get. That's all. Fair enough. All right. So you couldn't
1: make that case. Let no. me let me try and make mine. What's what's next?
0: So so we didn't talk about uh, the sheriff who tries to put the squeeze on... And, okay, uh, this play, might be my next question. Played, what? played by Dick Miller, who's not been in a million things. He's in the Gremlins movie. He's in, he's the guy who, tries, who sells guns to the Terminator. He's been in a lot of things. <laughs> you can't do that here. <laughs> Wrong. But um, I, this is probably only the second time we've seen him, though. Maybe we've seen him in other stuff. In this podcast, mm, I mean. I don't know. Maybe not. So the Terminator and this. But... Um, the sheriff is out of town, so he decides I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as an opportunity yes. to make some cash, and his shakedown is successful. He pulls Al Capone and um, and uh, Ivy in, and then uh, someone from from the outfit comes shows up with a, with a wad of cash and pays Dick Miller off. And Al Capone kind of threatens him, like, "Oh, in your line of work, you run in some tough characters." But we never get a follow up to it. So does this sheriff's deputy get away with this?
1: I don't have many questions. This was one of mine, so okay. I have to I have to try and answer it. I am no, go- if you have the same
0: question. No, no,
1: no, no. I'm going to answer it because I think the answer to me is clear. <clears throat> Determined or not, that cat must be long dead. That sheriff, absolutely. That deputy sheriff did not survive the week.
0: It's kind of implied, but I would have liked some confirmation. I I,
1: it would have been good to got confirmation, but I was going to ask you the same question. I would have completely accepted. There's no way that that cop survived. Because
0: at the end of the day... Even Al Capone has got to be wary about killing cops, right? It's I like, think that's so. That's going to be trouble for him if he kills the it, sheriff. It, even if the sheriff's trouble. deputy shook him down.
1: It's going to be trouble because later on you have the, the assassination of that district attorney.
0: And he's like, oh.
1: You're right. Like, Capone's like, oh. This, this <laughs> is not good when he gets that
0: news. Yes, but then ultimately nothing comes out of it because he just threatens the guy. I got some blackmail material on, yes. on all of you.
1: So, yeah, I killed an assistant district attorney. But I have dirt on all of you, including... <laughs> right. The
0: district attorney, so I don't think you're going to prosecute me. You're right. Nothing does come Yeah, of nothing it. comes of it. I don't know why he was even worried. Yeah, because it's, it's a brief moment. It's just yeah, stuff like that is so infuriating. It's just false drama. It's like, oh, well, he killed an assistant uh, district attorney. What's going to come out of this? Nothing. Nope. He's fine. Yeah. I mean, even if that was historically true, find a way to wring some drama out of this. Like, you know, they killed the wrong guy. <laughs> He's more in danger of Stallone turning in his tax documents than he yeah. is
1: from the murder of a district attorney. Yeah.
0: Um anyway. No, I think you answered I think I think right. that's probably true. Oh yeah. The guy I, didn't I think survive. That, that cop is long dead. Yeah. All right. Well then Dick Miller died in both movies that we saw him in. <laughs> he definitely didn't survive the Terminator.
1: All right. So here's my I have a question on Miss Crawford. So one of those fight sequences that you referenced, uh, she's tearing up the joint, and she like she's like just I don't know swinging a lamp or something. And Tri-State Stallone, uh, Stallone, man, I keep doing that with
0: Capone. <laughs> Capone, well, because we're we're so used to talking about movies where Stallone is the star of it's the, the, the focal movie, point so point yeah, of the it's movie? Like, yes. I, I found myself doing that sometimes of being like, you know, so much Stallone has Al Capone. Oh no, wait, he's not the star of this movie. So
1: it's after she's going through all the insults, insults, and at, you know, ends with the pigeon, uh, pigeon-toed son of a bitch. She like takes a swing with a lamp and then passes out. So my question to you is, how much do you have to have had to drink that when you take a swing with a lamp? you pass out
0: well it was her last ounce of strength before you know that lamp's probably heavy and okay. uh, you know you, you move around too much and she made herself lightheaded and pushed just, her over the edge yeah she just passed out all right fair enough fair enough I, I yeah definitely you don't you generally don't go from moving around a lot to passed out drunk you go from lying on the floor barely conscious to passed right. out drunk that's yeah that's definitely not um common <laughs> maybe maybe she was like hypoglycemic or something. It was oh, it unrelated to her being drunk. That yeah, she, it could be. She she that needed a cookie. Be.
1: She that that's fair. All right. Yeah, I'll tell. That's a good answer. What what do you have for me next? I really only have one more, and it barely is a question. So hopefully you've got a few more to fire off my way.
0: I got a couple more. All right. Why does at the beginning the, the 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 mob boss in New York calls him in and you know wants to find out what happened? Why he beat, beat the cops? So some guy picks him up outside of the jail. Yeah, so they're coming to the boss's place. They have that meeting, and then Capone comes out and just decks the guy. Why? All right.
1: So I I don't know if you missed it or not, or maybe I interpreted, but but the guy basically belittled Capone on the way in when, when he picked him up, and I don't remember exactly you know what he said to him. I must have missed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically you know maybe, maybe you'll get something you know something for your trouble or something like that, and Capone you know he he was looking to make a name for himself too, right? Well, yeah, so that not,
0: was my thing of like. He wanted this to happen. He wanted to get picked up by this boss, this mob boss, and he wanted to meet to meet him and to to pitch himself forever. And so, you know, the guy was very brusque with him, just like you're coming up with me. But it's like this is ultimately what Al Capone wanted. So I don't it's, know. What it's saying what he he's... wanted.
1: That, it's that's not why he he took the swing at him. It's basically because he 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 kind of belittled him. Okay, I missed and, the belittling. I yeah, guess. and 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 that that's more of what drove the the sucker. And it was a sucker punch too. Yeah. Complete sucker punch. Yeah.
0: No, Al Al Capone throws a fair amount of punches in this movie, and most of them are are not fair fights. Like either a drunk guy, husband of Susan Blankley, or a guy just not expecting it. (laughs) Yeah, he does get he does get uh, his ass handed to him in prison. Though that one that one fight in prison in prison he gets the crap beat out of him there. And really,
1: the 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 cops get the better end of the fight at the opening too. I mean, he gets thrown through a window. He, he he gets the uh, Beverly Hills cop. He got
0: thrown <laughs> through a window. I'll tell you, I forgot to mention earlier, but I don't think that was safety glass. I think really? some stuntman went through a real window because wow. you can you can tell. It bothers me now that I know how safety glass works because I see it in movies and go, oh, "That's just safety glass." But you obviously, I don't want someone to get hurt. So right. when I'm watching a movie, I'm like, "Well, at least I know that nobody got hurt." This you can tell when you know how like something somebody goes through a window and the entire glass like. Like a whole spider web pattern yeah. goes across the whole piece, pane of glass. That safety glass, like the whole thing, shatters into a million tiny pieces. So gotcha. nothing. So you don't oh, have so no big there's big shards. Ch- there's
1: big shard. Uh, yeah, and there is in this for yeah. sure. There's a big,
0: big I'm, chunk of glass, and that's how people get seriously, you know, hurt by you know a huge shard of glass falls on you and it's sharp. You yeah. know, heavy shard of glass, and I, that was what happened in this movie. I'm going like, jeez, I hope that stunt man's okay because <laughs> that was a huge shard of glass that fell on him. I anyway. got thrown through a window. Sorry. Yeah, I think... I'm pretty sure in Beverly Hills Cop, it's the safety glass. With tiny, tiny little pieces of glass <laughs> land next to... Everywhere, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, what else have you got? Um, Since I think I, I handled that one, I think. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the near poisoning of Al Capone, which we didn't talk about. Which, uh, that one guy you mentioned... yellow a yellow. I, I wasn't entirely clear what was going, cause, uh, going on there because Aiello meets with Al Capone. He does. And- this opera singer is practicing, and they're just they're just talking about their business in front of this woman. It's like, is she? You trust her? Yeah. She could, she could be an undercover fed. You don't know
1: Th- that. You didn't know, but I think Aiello was ultimately uh, Sicilian. You know. Uh, oh yeah, he's clearly looking to rise and you know kind of run his own gang, and, and Capone was not uh, was not impressed.
0: But there's some kind of thing of like. It's 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 like the distinction between the mafia and the outfit or something because like he's yeah. in the mafia and so then Al Capone's like I support so and so other guy not you for the, head right. of the mafia and I just and then Iello goes to Bugs Moran and it's like we need to work together and that's when Bugs Moran's like you know I, he reluctantly agrees even though he doesn't trust him because Bugs-Moran. The soft soap is, yes yeah no you you Sicilians with your soft soap and. Um, so, yeah, was, the movie does such a bad job explaining what the conflict is. Like, I, I was all set following this stuff with the O'Banion gang. Right, the and Irish then they, and the they, they, uh, yeah, Italians. Yeah, and that, that all that, I mean, they don't have to give a lot of information. They're fighting over territory. It doesn't right. I don't need more details than that, honestly. So half this movie is about that, and they kill O'Banion, and then some other guy takes over for a while, and then it's Bugs Moran, and it's like, this is, all, this is already a lot there's the Gianni brothers, and there's O'Donnell. It's like, okay, I'm following all this. And then there's the two-thirds of the way through this movie, it's like, oh, Aiello, he's the real guy that you have to worry about. Who is Aiello? What's, what is the difference between the mafia and the outfit? This movie explains none of this, and I, it drove me crazy.
1: I don't know if I have the answer to your question, because what is your question specifically? Who oh, is I Aiello?
0: Um, no, actually, no, this was all set up for my question. Okay. I, this, that was, that was an aside of me being confused about ILO. Is. Um, my actual question was that waiter who nearly poisons him. And then yeah. he has a crisis of conscience and warns Al Capone. Why?
1: I didn't take it that he warned Capone. I, when I was watching it, it was strange to me because Capone seemed to like sense like spidey sense that something was <laughs> okay, off maybe that's it. I I I didn't know if like does he always have like the same dish and maybe something is out of order or something oh
0: maybe the maybe the movie was just trying to say that the 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 waiter was nervous and Capone yeah. picked up on it i, I thought cuz that, that waiter only speaks italian so we don't know what he's saying and obviously it's like he's just like really going on and on and talking a lot like you know like right really like agitated and it, I thought he'd said, so like, don't I, eat that or something. No, I
1: think you got onto it, though. He, he was acting unusual, and then all of a sudden he broke down because Capone co- confronted
0: him. It does not do a good job. Yeah, I, just, I didn't understand what even happened there. I mean, I understood that, some, that they were trying to poison him, but what, what stopped that from happening? Unclear. Maybe don't have the character only speak Italian and, and then not went, subtitle okay. it. At least subtitle.
1: That's the solution because you should subtitle what he's saying so you've got a better Because
0: Al Capone understands him. Al Capone speaks Italian, so he's able to have this conversation and uh, we don't know what's going on. All right. So my last one is really an unfair question, but
1: my question is, was it wrong that as I was watching this, I wish that I was watching The Zookeeper
0: with Kevin James because it would have been a more entertaining story? (laughs) (laughs) That's just your whole... Comments? That's not a question.
1: It w- I said, was it wrong? Because that's what I was thinking. Is I'm like, oh, this- I really would want I'd like to go to the greatest TGI Fridays of all time right now.
0: Yeah, Zookeeper's a better movie than this. Who would have thought? <laughs> when we were looking at the list at the beginning who would have who guessed Never.
1: that? Never. I- honestly, the, if... If you would have given me a thousand to one odds, yeah. I would not have taken a
0: thousand to one that
1: Zookeeper would have been better. I
0: mean, just looking at, just knowing you and looking at the list, I would have thought, oh, here's something right up Olsen's Alley yes. Capone.
1: And as I'm watching, I'm like, man, I'm missing the days that we were watching <laughs> Zookeeper.
0: Yeah. I mean, Nick Nolte doesn't do vo- the voice of any uh, anybody, you know, gorilla or otherwise. You put a polo shirt on a gorilla, it's nine times
1: more entertaining than anything in this movie.
0: I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe Al Capone had a talking gorilla. (laughs) We don't know every detail of his life. No, we don't. I mean, if
1: if Pablo Escobar had a whole zoo, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Al Capone had a a talking gorilla that would wear a polo shirt every once in a while. Maybe
0: he was just an imaginary talking gorilla, you know? We don't know what happened inside, especially at the end there, you know, with the syphilis. He could have had an imaginary talking gorilla friend voiced by Nick Nolte. Nick (laughs) Nolte was acting in 1975. They could have cast him. I couldn't they want got him? The young Nick Nolte as uh, uh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> Al Capone's best gorilla friend. Are you ready to move on? Let's move on. All right. Silk Cozart. Both of y'all. Yes, I'll Go back to This is the Silk Cozart uh, Internet Research Corner where I take a deep dive into some piece of internet trivia that I was curious about. The movie sparked my interest, named in honor of Silk Cozart, the actor in Eraser. And part of this is now you guessing whether or not I bothered to do it. <laughs>
1: Look that it's bothered. Uh, I am going to guess, despite the fact how short this episode may be, I'm going to guess no, you did not.
0: Did, this is the first time you've gotten this right, but correct. <laughs> I did not. Not this, this I'm movie guessing because there's just nothing to glom onto here. I mean, no. I mean, literally, it's it's nothing in this movie made me curious about all of these this this labyrinth of gangs and you know uh, rivalries and killings just killing after killing after killing, you'd think there'd be something I'd be like, oh, I want to learn more about that particular event. Nothing. Even the same uh, Valentine's Day Massacre they I managed to make uninteresting. Because at the end of the day, this movie is just one murder after another. Just guys getting out of cars and killing people. So the, the, well, the same that- Valentine's Day Massacre doesn't feel out of the ordinary. It it's just feels like another scene <laughs> another of people. Another day in the
1: life. Yeah. The only difference is there also is a lot and get ready with the button. Because when people aren't getting killed, there's just a lot of Collateral damage that's done in this movie because there's a lot of that as well. Is there a lot of collateral damage? Oh yeah. yeah, there's that one entire sequence of the drive-bys with Pete. They it's it's the window, a bunch of the furniture. Nobody gets killed in it's. Like oh, I thought whole, you meant like innocent
0: people are getting killed. No, oh, I'm talking pr- about like, literally... Pro- okay,
1: so property okay, damage. You, damage. Fair enough. It's called collateral damage because that one they go through. They do it once. Capone hits the deck, da- You know, Nitty jumps on Capone. Then somehow it's like they went around the block because <laughs> another round of cars come and open fire and does even more property damage.
0: Oh, I think... I forgot to mention this uh, in details, but I think I know why it's so weird is because... Um, God, the producer, Roger Corman. Roger Corman made another gangster movie like three or four years prior to this, and so they used some stock footage of stuff they already shot <laughs> for that scene. Because if you really pay t- the, the, the all, all the film looks different, and... Um, so yeah, I think maybe that's why that scene is so weird. Why 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 is another car pulling up? Like nothing seems to match. It's the not- scene where where Stallone jumps on uh, yeah, jumps he, on yeah. him,
1: and there's a there's a hail of bullets. Nobody seems to be hurt, and then you think it's over.
0: But no, there's another hail of bullets that's going to be coming. Well, because I think the first time it's just footage from another movie they just stuck in there. It's like, we, we shot this already, let's just use it. And then I think the second time it's when Martin Cove shows up, and it's like, we need to establish that he's here, but we couldn't fit him into the footage from the other movies, so now there's another car pulling up with Martin Cove in there, and he's got to shoot him some more. How do we
1: not have more Ed Wood sound drops for Roger Corman movies? Because things like that, it's, it's like straight out of Ed Wood.
0: I mean, yeah, this it very much is... Um, a lot of cardboard headstones being tipped <laughs> it's over. It's really,
1: it's perfect.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, so no silk there, Not surprising, no. uh, and and I understand. There's not a lot in this movie. So you ready? Uh, you ready to move on to why
0: we're here? I can't believe we even found this much to talk about. <laughs> so I'm not going to put any extra work in. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's move on to the body count.
1: This movie we only killed 48 people
0: compared to the last
1: one that we killed 119. How is there a movie about Al Capone and we don't move the body count? I know. Do we not, not move it? I
0: what do, what do you have for Nitty? Well, there's two two moments actually. And let me What did yeah. I miss? Well, it's it's when they kill Obanion. They walk into his flower shop. There's three of them. Here's here's the discussion. Okay, there. that's
1: my question.
0: Do you for, give him a third? Well, I mean there there is a kind of coop de grace at the end where one of the guys, I don't even know but either of those other two characters names. It's it's, Stallone, it's Frank Nitty, and two other guys. And they all walk up to Obanion to shoot him in the gut. All three of them are shooting 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 and then someone not Stallone O'Banion's on the ground. Guy to take one last bullet to the head. So I, you could argue he gets the 100% of the kill and, and Stallone gets zero. Well, here's the thing is because the only other time Stallone is
1: involved is with the district attorney. Yeah,
0: then yeah, that's the other one. And it's, it's just the, a bunch of them shooting.
1: Right, the pony in. So I think at most, if you add the, per, the percentages up,
0: you probably only get one. Because if you give him a partial on O'Banion... Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is You can maybe argue both of them are a half.
1: Yeah, so that's what I think it is. So you get one. So should we give him one? Yeah. I, it's, it's- he shouldn't get zero. I, I will say that. I don't think zero is a fair number, especially the Pony Inn, because there's only, it looks like Capone, Nitty, and maybe one other, and there's three, three people that are killed in that
0: hit. Uh, there might have been four or five guys in that car. Maybe not. At least, there's at least three of them. There's
1: at least three, maybe right four. But the point being, I think it's fair. You could round up... And I'll round up at the pony end, but round down, so one is probably the midpoint for Stallone. In
0: this. All right, let's give him one.
1: And what's funny is that when I went through the total body count, there's, there's actually not a ton. There's a ton of property damage, but there's not a ton in a movie about Al Capone.
0: Well, because there's... There's so much gunfire, but it's it's always three guys in a car jumping out of a car and gunning down one guy with a hail of bullets, yes. and so it feels like there's a lot more than there is because it, a lot of bullets fired. It's a
1: lot of Tommy guns, is basically what it is.
0: Yeah, five hundred rounds, five hundred slugs in a minute, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Al Capone is very impressed by the time slugs. Tommy gun. Um. Anyway, so yeah, we're comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone. Arnold Schwarzenegger had an average body count of fourteen point three nine, total body count of five hundred forty seven. So now, uh, it, if we add one to Sylvester Stallone's body count, he now has a total body count of 496 across... I didn't do this before we started. This will tell you how. Across 46 movies, which would give him an average of
1: 10.78. It is Arnold on the average. We're still trying to determine whether or not the total body count goes to storm. He's got um, 51 left.
0: I think he might get it.
1: I've not seen Rambo. That that's the that's the one that
0: probably puts it over the edge. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I don't think that one alone will get it. Because even well, let me scroll up to like Rambo's two and three. I don't think you, well Rambo Rambo four he killed sixty seven people, but that's Rambo four. <laughs> oh, Rambo three was sixty eight. Rambo th- uh, Rambo two is fifty eight. It's actually yeah all the all the Rambo's are above yeah fifty one. So I guess it, if those trends continue, then he'll be fine. But I don't know if they will. I mean, I think Rambo: Last Blood is it's atypical. I'll just okay. put it that. I don't want to spoil anything.
1: All right. Well, ready for uh, uh, our math is done. You ready for the Wrecking Crew Award?
0: I'm very interested in this from you. <laughs> I didn't. Even, oh yeah, I did. I did write something down. I was going to say I didn't think about it, but I, I, I did. <laughs> now, now I remember who I wrote down. But one sec. Here we go.
1: Outstanding achievement in All right, the Wrecking Crew Award. This is the segment of the show where we award uh, our. self-proclaimed award to the character, inanimate object, or abstract concept that <laughs> wrecked the most shop. I really had to expand that as this...
0: Yeah, I've, I've forced <laughs> you to expand that. All my trickery. I don't have any trickery this time.
1: Uh, I, mine could be trickery. Uh, I went with... I'll just go right out of the gate. I went with the Tommy Gun because okay. it clearly did the most damage, whether it was individual characters or property damage, so the Tommy Gun gets the Wrecking Crew award for me.
0: That's true. It only now, literally just now, I thought maybe I should give it to Syphilis. <laughs> but um That's so terrible, but that it, it wrecked a lot of shop. Yeah, the main character's movie was definitely wrecked by syphilis. Um, <laughs> what a stupid movie. It just like Ten minutes before the movie's over. Granted, this is historical fact. Yes, um, you know, Al-Capone had syphilis, but not part. Of, you don't see how he got it. It's not part of the story. It's not like it's not like this looming Was it from thing. Miss
1: Crawford. I mean, I sure.
0: Don't know. it's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so it's it's not like it, it, any other competent movie. It would have been like this ticking time bomb of just like people noticing. Oh, he's starting to slip, or you know, whatever. Like. Um, so just so crazy. Just like five minutes are left in this movie. Oh, oh by the, the way, he's got syphilis and he's going to go crazy. <laughs> like,
1: oh, by the way. Yeah, it really is. It's like Poochie died on his way back to his home planet. Oh, I don't know if you know this or not. Eh, uh, <laughs> Capone was done in by syphilis.
0: And that's why it felt like a Wikipedia article of a movie of just like, you know. And then here's the here's, death section. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, I I give the uh, early
1: life rise <laughs> right. fall death.
0: Death, yes. Um anyway, I give it to Martin Cove. I thought it, That's it, fair. I think he has the most memorable kill of this movie. Oh yeah. Is him right at the beginning in that joliet scene. Yeah. It's, hey boys blows the guy away. Um oh, that was a question I must have skipped it. I'll just real quick ask, you notice in that scene where they, they rob this this bootlegging car, the car gets, like, tipped over and, and um, looks like one of the stuntmen almost broke his leg. It kind of scared me. Anyway, they take those guys out of that car, drag them to their own car, and then Martin Cove shoots them in, in their car. Did you notice that? I did. <laughs> Why did they do that? It was, I was—I had a question and I must have skipped that. I missed it. But um, you're right. I,
1: How did they get out of there with the booze if they
0: have dead bodies in their? Why car? did they? I, my my speculation was that the stunt went wrong. That that car was not supposed to tip over. The 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 the, the, the script says yeah. they shoot them in their own car, but then it's like that car tipped over. We still need to shoot the part where Martin Cove shoots them, drag them into my car. Like the, 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 I think you're right. The, the assassin's own car. They drag them into that car and then they shoot Ooh, them. tracks? It puts bodies of evidence in their car. <laughs> in their own car. car. It's like, you, they, just shoot them at the side of the road. Anyway, that was the most memorable kill in the movie, is Martin Cove shooting those those uh, uh, leggers with a shotgun. That's very fair. Um, in, a, in a movie filled with people being assassinated and, and, and gunned down the it street. It is the
1: one that stuck out the most. Uh, yeah. they're kind of almost reminiscent now that we're talking out loud. feels a little bit like... Rick Dalton's episode uh, of FBI yeah. in some ways actually the, like he just kind of comes in out of nowhere and is this badass that just guns somebody down with a shotgun
0: right down to the car chase in the the hills of Southern California. <laughs> in this for, case, posing as right, in Joliet.
1: In Rick Dalton's case, they were in FBI. They were not saying they were saying it was Southern California, <laughs> right. Not Joliet, Illinois. Yeah,
0: you can actually see the ocean and the yeah, in that.
1: All right, uh, you ready for the Rocky rating?
0: Yep, let's do it.
1: Hey, hey, what the hell are you
0: doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, no, uh, you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film.
1: All right, the Rocky rating. This is the segment of the show where we rate the movie based on Rocky opponents, from Apollo
0: Creed to Spider Rico. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Just you know, I don't have a strong enough opinion about this to give it a, a Spider Rico, so I'm giving it a Tommy Gun. It's it's bad. It's boring. It's not offensively bad, though, and there were a couple of moments that, I, that made me smile. I liked Susan Blakely's character. I thought she brought a lot of life to the movie. I liked the golf scenes and stuff like that. He, he shows uh, the ladies at the country club how he's packing a rod. <laughs> at least it's something. It was something. <laughs> you know, so I, there's enough good stuff. It's like, okay, it's not horrible.
1: And we don't have this often, but I don't know if it's just because I wanted both the last two segments of my notes to have Tommy Gunn in it. But we, I, true. I, I agreed with you. At I gave, first, I gave this a Tommy Gunn as well.
0: Um, maybe this is maybe uh, Stallone was thinking of this movie when he named that character Tommy Gunn. I, I, I remember I, I was in a movie with a lot of Tommy Guns. Uh,
1: there was enough salvageable. I think Stallone had a pretty good performance. It it was an incredibly boring movie. Yeah, but it's not it's not offensively bad. It's also not fun bad. Certainly not Ivan Drago. So Tommy Gunn's appeared to be appropriate, but I think most of all, I just like the fact that my last two notes have Tommy Gunn in the title.
0: By and large, the cast is really dragging this movie up to barely watchable. Yeah, like pretty much everyone in this movie is is good in terms of performances. You know, even John Cassavetes, at the beginning of uh, the guy from New York, is just like, oh, he's you know he's. Pretty good. He's actually, you know, giving a good performance. Uh, Dick Miller shows up for that one sequence as the de- deputy sheriff, and he's just like, "You guys are breaking a lot of laws here," and he's really, he's really going for it. Everybody's pretty. Everyone's trying, and there's a few lines like, "It'll be a massacre." That bring a <laughs> smile to your face. Yeah, he should have looked right down the lens of the camera, <laughs>
1: right? Very Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is my pick. Is your pick. Uh, the pickings are getting slim. There's still some interesting stuff. There is some interesting stuff. I did not choose to go that route. Oh. So it's ironic that you asked me who the smartest character that Stallone has ever played. Uh-huh. Because I didn't need to pause to really think about it, because I had already been thinking about this character before <laughs> I came to record. Because, your mind, uh? Yes, We are going to go with the third installment of Lucky Ray Breslin, and we are doing... You know what's funny is I went to look at the email you sent to me. It is almost three years to the day you sent me the the email. I believe it. With the list. It was March 8th of 2018, because I went to look. I'm like, all right, let's look. And then I'm like, oh, this one's not even on there because this movie hadn't come out when we started. It's not in a category, one of our categories. Was it not on the list? You knew that it was going to be coming because there was a few of them. You say, "Hey, he's worth," you know. We, I Escape know-
0: Plan Two was... because neither of those movies were out when we started this. Escape yeah. Plan Two was coming soon, right? We didn't know it was going to be direct to video. Exactly. We thought both of those movies would be theatrical releases. Yes, so now there are no theatrical releases. Uh, there are
1: everything. not. Uh, I I have decided to pick Escape Plan. I think the three was dropped. It was right. just the Extractors, but it's really. <laughs> do I want to acknowledge
0: the existence of Escape Plan Two. <laughs> So Re- reports I'm, have come to us from listeners that Escape Plan, The Extractors, is not as bad as Escape Plan 2, but... It's not I, a I, very I, high bar. No, it's not a very high bar, but I do trust our listeners, so I, yes. I think, um, at least, I, I, I'm hopeful that it's not as bad as... Well, I, I, at least the Escape Plan 2 episode was fun to record. It was. It was, fun. It was a fun movie to talk about. That movie was fun, bad. <laughs> it really was. So, and then,
1: and in, in a way, that's what I'm kind of hoping for, I because... Yeah. It, I enjoyed, I both, in terms of the movie was fun, and I think the conversation on Cliffhanger was fun. This, this, unfortunately, was a little bit more of a drag. I'm hoping, even though I'm sure it's a terrible movie, I'm hoping it'll be a fun conversation. That there'll be, uh, that, that's always where we shine. We either need a really good movie, where there's really a lot of great things to talk about, or a really bad movie, where there's a lot of bad, stupid things to talk about. Yeah. The middling stuff is always where we struggle. So, yeah, of course. I'm, I mean,
0: I'm, I'm hoping this is fun bad. I, we both like Lucky Ray as a character. So. <laughs> Me too. He's not actually called Lucky Ray. It, was just, not, <laughs> that it was just his license it's plate. It's his license plate that one of the things that I got
1: great joy out of, how funny and absurd it was that his license plate on a minivan
0: said Lucky, Lucky Ray. Lucky Ray, yeah. Ray Breslin. Yes. Yeah,
1: so, Escape Plan 3. So, uh, that has been the show. If you've enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Uh, And we'd certainly love to hear thoughts, comments, feedback on this or any other episodes uh, on Twitter at ArmsRacePodcast.
0: Yeah, and if uh, you enjoy the show and, you know, other people, friends and family who you think might enjoy the show, let them know about the show. After Escape Plan and The Extractors, we've got Creed coming up, so that'll yeah. be a, a milestone. That, that should be a good one. Uh, Creed,
1: yeah, Creed, not Creed Two. I'm still
0: not seeing Creed Two. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to getting seeing what you think of Creed Two. That'll, the, that'll just the way the things ended up. It's going to be our last episode. Yeah. So that'll be the big finale. Is what does Olson think about Creed, Creed two? two? But in the meantime, we'll be back with Escape Plan:
1: The Extractors.